Section 64 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 20, verses 29 to 34. Healing of Two Blind Men. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 29 to 34. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men, sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still, and called them, and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. In these verses we have a touching picture of an event in our Lord's history. He heals two blind men sitting by the wayside near Jericho. The circumstances of the event contain several deeply interesting lessons, which all professing Christians would do well to remember. For one thing, let us mark what strong faith may sometimes be found where it might least have been expected. Blind as these two men were, they believed that Jesus was able to help them. They never saw any of our Lord's miracles. They knew him only by hearsay and not face to face. And yet, as soon as they heard that he was passing by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Such faith may well put us to shame. With all our books of evidence, and lives of saints, and libraries of divinity, how few know anything of simple, childlike confidence in Christ's mercy and Christ's power. And even among those who are believers, the degree of faith is often strangely disproportionate to the privileges enjoyed. Many an unlearned man, who can only read his New Testament with difficulty, possesses the spirit of unhesitating trust in Christ's advocacy, while deeply read divines are harassed by questionings and doubts. They who, humanly speaking, ought to be first, are often last, and the last first. For another thing, let us mark what wisdom there is in using every opportunity for getting good for our souls. These blind men sat by the wayside. Had they not done so, they might never have been healed. Jesus never returned to Jericho, and they might never have met with him again. Let us see, in this simple fact, the importance of diligence in the use of means of grace. Let us never neglect the house of God never forsake the assembling of ourselves with God's people, never omit the reading of our Bibles, never let drop the practice of private prayer. These things, no doubt, will not save us without the grace of the Holy Ghost. Thousands make use of them and remain dead in trespass and sin. But it is just in the use of these things that souls are converted and saved. They are the ways in which Jesus walks. It is they who sit by the wayside who are likely to be healed. Do we know the diseases of our souls? 
Do we feel any desire to see the great physician? If we do, we must not wait in idleness, saying, If I am to be saved, I shall be saved. We must arise and go to the road where Jesus walks. Who can tell, but he will soon pass by for the last time? Let us sit daily by the wayside. For another thing, let us mark the value of pains and perseverance in seeking Christ. These blind men were rebuked by the multitude that accompanied our Lord. Men told them to hold their peace, but they were not to be silenced in this way. They felt their need of help. They cared nothing for the check which they received. They cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. We have in this part of their conduct a most important example. We are not to be deterred by opposition or discouraged by difficulties when we begin to seek the salvation of our souls. We must pray always and not faint. Luke 18, verse 1. We must remember the parable of the importunate widow and the friend who came to borrow bread at midnight. Like them, we must press our petitions at the throne of grace and say, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Genesis chapter 32, verse 26. Friends, relatives, and neighbors may say unkind things and reprove our earnestness. We may meet with coldness and want of sympathy, where we might have looked for help. But let none of these things move us. If we feel our diseases and want to find Jesus, the great physician, if we know our sins and desire to have them pardoned, let us press on. The violent take the kingdom by force. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Finally, let us mark how gracious the Lord Jesus is to those who seek him. He stood still and called the blind men. He kindly asked them what it was that they desired. He heard their petition and did what they requested. He had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. We see here an illustration of that old truth which we can never know too well, the mercifulness of Christ's heart toward the sons of men. The Lord Jesus is not only a mighty Savior, but merciful, kind, and gracious to a degree that our minds cannot conceive. Well might the Apostle Paul say that the love of Christ passeth knowledge. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Like him, let us pray that we may know more of that love. We need it when we first begin our Christian course, poor, trembling penitents and babes in grace. We need it afterwards as we travel along the narrow way, often erring, often stumbling, and often cast down. We shall need it in the evening of our days, when we go down the valley of the shadow of death. Let us then grasp the love of Christ firmly and keep it daily before our minds. We shall never know till we wake up in the next world, how much we are indebted to it. End of section 64